Welcome to Beyond 90 with your hosts, Jake Gutierrez and Lance Chazona. Today, we're pleased to be joined by Rio Grande Valley Toros forward and the number eight pick in the 2020 MLS Super Draft by the Houston Dynamo, Garrett McLaughlin. Garrett, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, Garrett, when did you fall in love with football? Oh, man. I mean... I think that was the first sport I ever ever played growing up. So I mean, as as young as I can remember, I was I was kicking the ball around for sure. So what was it like as a little guy, little Garrett, growing up in Oklahoma City? <laughs> um, I think growing up in Oklahoma City, um, I grew up in a very tight knit community, and um, you know, I wasn't just focused on soccer, even though that was my first passion. Um, I played every sport I could. I remember I played baseball. Uh, basketball, football. My parents are glad I didn't play baseball. Every baseball game uh, they'd go to, they'd tell me how uh, how boring it was um, for them to watch. And so they were happy that I chose to not continue with baseball. I stopped after um, eighth grade and all that stuff, but um, kind of get off topic there. But, um, you know, growing up, it was, I still love going back and every chance I can, I, I go back and uh, hang out with my buddies and do all that stuff. So. So you're into all the sports, but soccer one, huh? So- soccer, soccer one. I, I kind of, I was decent at basketball, pretty good at football. I was like, well, I think my body type and, uh, you know, if I wanted to play professional basketball, I'd probably have to be like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So I was like, oh, probably not going to do that. And then football, I was like, well, I've had two concussions already. So I think I'm going to go with soccer here. So that was my, I, d- I made that decision my sophomore year uh, of high school. Was that the deciding factor though, man? Or or was there more to it? Like kicking the ball was a lot better than swinging the bat or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I just think the main factor was, I think I was always best at soccer. Um, I could, I could always tell like I was a little bit different than some people like on my team. and. Um, and all that stuff. And I just felt more comfortable playing soccer and, you know, I, I enjoyed it more than other sports. Um, so that's kind of how I came to the decision. I was like, I think I'm going to give this a, a real shot here. So that's, I kind of stopped playing other sports. Um, my, my sophomore year of high school. So what was the youth soccer scene like in Oklahoma, man? Like is soccer popular back in Oklahoma? Um, I would say growing up for me, it was semi-popular. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like the most, you know, sought after deal. Um, but, you know, I'd play the same three, four teams um, in Oklahoma. And then we'd have to go to like Dallas to play in tournaments. And um, But I'd say as of right now, it's, it's rapidly growing. I mean, it has been for the last five years um, since – um, energy FC kind of came in and took over. It was called Oklahoma football club, which was probably, I mean, it's the largest, um, club in, in Oklahoma city area. Um, and they kind of came in and made it OEFC Oklahoma energy um, football club. And, uh, they built a, a girls Academy, um, and did all that stuff. So it's really, it's really growing. They're trying to get to boys, but, um, I mean, it's, it's just growing. So good to see. Speaking of speaking of going back home, uh, I read a Q and A that you did on Twitter, and you said you support Swansea City. How does a kid from Oklahoma City come to support Swans? Oh man! Um, so I would say that was that was my in my high school days. I was uh, just kind of starting to really pick up, you know, and watch a bunch of soccer. 
and I think it was Swansea's first year in the Premier League. Um, and I just love the way they play. There's no other reason. I mean, I just, they, they weren't like a big, like salary club or, um, they're just kind of a smaller market, but, um, I just loved like the Guzman, uh, Wilford Bonnie came on, um, Nathan Dyer, Wayne Routledge. I loved all those guys, just the way they played together. Sigurdsson, um, when he was there and, you know, it just, I was just like, wow, like I can actually feel like a connection to this team rather than just like watching a, a Liverpool or, you know, a United. So I just, that's what kind of fell in love with, with watching them. So kind of sucks. They're not in the Premier, Premier League anymore, but I saw them in back. the Premier League. The only, the only Premier League match I've seen was, was Swansea at Arsenal and I saw Boney play, got a yellow card. Yeah. It's actually funny you say that my, uh, my buddy is an Arsenal fan. We used to go back and forth when they'd, when they'd play. And I'll tell you what, they, they beat him more than they lost to him, I, I feel like. I don't, you know, you can stat check me on that, but it felt, <laughs> it felt that way. It felt we that have way. no fact checkers on this show. Yeah. <laughs> so who was one of the players that uh, influenced you the most, man? Like, who do you, who, who sort of influenced your play style? Oh, um, I think it's a good question. I don't think it's particularly one person, um, but I could definitely say, um, you know, being a Swansea fan, I loved Wilford Boney. I mean, obviously not the same, you know, physically like yeah. the same type, but I love the way he would just hold up the ball and be able to finish in tight spaces. I think that's one thing that, um, you know, I've tried to work on. I know I'm not as big as him, but um, holding up the ball is something that, you know, I like to take pride in and, and do. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And then um, also, I'd say Lewandowski, the way he finishes in so many different angles. And, um, you know, he's he's really one. I think those two are probably the ones that um, I love to watch all their videos and do all that stuff. So I'd probably say those two are the most. Nice, man. I, dude, you come from a big family. I I, know, I think you have a brother, a sister, right? And they both mm-hmm. play. Yeah, so I have, I have two brothers. One's adopted, and then I have a sister who they'll they all played. My brother used to play, uh, my oldest, but now he just works. Um, did your Did your mom or dad ever play sports? Um, yes, in high school, but not not in college. Not in college. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my dad dad was football football player, um, and then my mom was uh, basketball and track. I believe. I, I was wondering where the athleticism came from. You know, like <laughs> De- definitely my mom. Definitely my mom. Okay. <laughs> nice, Brad. <laughs> nice, so, dude, you went to Heritage Hall for high school. How uh, how many years did you spend there? And did you go for the soccer program? Uh, so no, I didn't go to the soccer, for the soccer program. But I mean, I, I was um, I was there since first grade, so I was considered a, a lifer, is what they would say. Gotcha. Uh, so, but I mean, I, I loved it there and met a bunch of my best friends. So. No, no complaints about that. No, man. I mean, you were there. You were named the 2015 Oklahoma Gatorade Player of the Year. You helped the Chargers to two straight championships with your achievements, <laughs> man. And then my question is, with all the accolades and all the achievements you got, how many universities came knocking at your door? Yeah, so I'd say, I mean, when I decided, like, freshman, sophomore year, I'm going to play, I want to play, like, Division One soccer. I always wanted to go to Tulsa. Um, that was like my goal. I was like, I'm going to be like a Tulsa soccer player. 
um, you know, and I always, that was the only school I was like sending my highlights out that you saw probably on huddle or, or wherever. Um, and you know, I like spam emailed them so much. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I need to go here. I need to go here. Um, and I finally got an email back and said they were interested and I went to a bunch of their camps. Um, and then finally it was time for me to like take a visit. So I took a visit with, uh, actually both of my brothers. So all three of us took a visit. Um, and then, you know, I was, it was, I mean, a small, like private campus. It was beautiful. Um, and then, um, they gave me a little bit of an offer and it, it wasn't like anything that I was like, wow, like, I'm going to commit right now. Like that's, that's what I wanted. So I was like kind of a little upset. Um, and then like a few weeks later, I went to, we went to Arizona with my coach, Jesse Faley. Um, and he was like, SMU wants to talk to you. So I mean, I don't think I really want to go there. Like I'm, I'm just hoping like Tulsa will give me a little bit more money and, you know, we'll just, just go. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I talked to him and Kevin Hudson, who was the head coach now, he's the assistant at the time. I mean, he was, he just made me feel comfortable. Um, and, you know, when I am at my best, I'm, I'm comfortable um, and happy and kind of loose. Um, and he made me feel that way from the first, from the first phone call. Um, and so, took a visit down there and, you know, being from Oklahoma city, I'd go to Dallas every other weekend to play, um, in tournaments and things. So, um, I'm very familiar with the area and, you know, I love, I toured the campus, absolutely loved it. Um, he gave me a great offer and I took a week and then I was like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to commit. So, um, after that point, it was, it was basically just down to those two schools. And, um, so, I'm, I'm very happy with my choice and, uh, you know, obviously it worked out well for me. So, mm-hmm. so while you were at SMU, you were named a candidate for the Mac Herman, right? Which is essentially the Heisman trophy for, for, uh, college soccer. What was the feeling, man? And once you found out about that and, uh, the emotions you felt when you knew you were a candidate, you know, I think growing up, I've really never been about the accolades and, um, it's really not, an important thing to me um, as it might be for someone like everyone. I know, you know, a little bit of individual, you know, recognition is good, but um, you know, I don't, I don't need it. Um, I'd rather have, you know, more team success. So it really wasn't nothing really changed when I saw that I was a candidate. I was just like, I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it's always been like with the yeah. high school awards and, you know, all that other stuff. So it's, it's really never been, been about that. So I take it then since you, since you were saying that it wasn't, I mean, the injury probably sort of sucked during that season, but I mean, it wasn't for the fact that it sucked because you're like, Oh man, there goes the Mac Herman trophy. So how, how was that, man? Cause I know you played a little bit during that while mm-hmm. you had the injury during that time period. Yeah. So I got, so I got injured halfway through my sophomore year. Um, and I played that season, um, out and I did well. And then, um, you know, it's called osseous pubis, which is just inflammation of your pubic bone. And, um, it ended up kind of shooting down to both my groins and, um, all of my abdomen. So like when I go to bed and like wake up, I couldn't like, just like crunch up, I'd have to like roll on my side and push up. And I mean, every little cut or movement hurt, like could hardly bend down. And it was like that for over a year and a half, probably. How, you played um, like that? How many games did you play? Uh, so my, I probably played 
10 my sophomore year, well, probably a little bit more than that. And then I took the spring off and then I did a bunch of, you know, rehab and stuff, but it still was not even close, but I was like, I'm going to give it a, give it a go. And I probably played another 25 um, like that. And it, every game, it just felt like it got worse and worse. Um, but then, you know, I started reading a lot about it and I got with the right trainers um, when I went home and, you know, I built up a lot of muscle and, and you know, just, I just, I wouldn't say magically felt better because I, I really put in the work that I wish I would have known um, how to do um, beforehand, but um, I got better and um, more confident because, you know, growing, going through that time of barely scoring and, you know, hardly being able to make the runs that I know I can, um, it kind of drained your confidence a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the people that I got with, his name's Jeremy. Um, he's a trainer I got um, in Oklahoma City. And he really helped me get through all that. I know I keep kind of repeating myself, but, um, you know, he helped me build the muscle and, um, you know, helped me focus a little bit more on myself and, you know, staying busy with, uh, training and the workouts and eating right. And, you know, that alone just helped me become who I know I can be on the field. And I think I, I showed that my senior year. Were you ever a hundred percent during your junior year or uh, did no. you take your senior year? No. no, no. Over it, that time, did you feel like your, uh, the injury, did it damage at all? Like your prospect status or maybe even the way some of the universities who were scouting you, do, did they know you were hurt? Um, I'm I'm definitely sure it it hampered it, the prospect status of like professional. I'm, I'm sure it did because um, I think after my sophomore year, I was I was in the running for a generation Adidas. Um, that's just what I've been told. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but and then my junior year, I was supposed to you know hopefully get it if I had a good season, and you know obviously that sucked as well because I, I mean I obviously I want to play professional soccer at, at some point and um and so yeah that that hurt for sure and i yeah no, i'm definitely sure that um the universities that would scout i'm sure they didn't really know much about my injury but um they probably i wouldn't maybe overlooked me or whatever i don't know but i'm sure it definitely definitely affected it for sure what was it like playing for smu in dallas and then going and playing for okc energy u23 during your college years like that back and forth kind of i'm here on one team i'm here on another did it aid in your development you think or did it was it just like a little bit confusing with different style of plays or um i would say that's a good question um i think it just kind of became my my routine of staying fit and keeping my ball on the foot or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's really close. I mean, the energy FC, um, like really close to you know my house. And so it was just easy. It was just accessible. And, you know, I could still hang out with all my friends, my family, um, and not have to go somewhere else to play. So I was like, it's just, it's just another good, good step for me to, you know, to stay sharp and ready for, the uh, college season. So that's kind of how I, I felt in, um, use the PDL season, but also, you know, it's very taxing as well. So, um, I had to take some breaks a few times and, you know, uh, go, the, I went to the lake a few times this well, the last season I played and, 
but yeah, I think that's kind of how I uh, dealt with it. When you say you took a break, how how long was your break period? Like, what what would a normal break period be for you? Like, three days, four days? Okay. <laughs> not long, not long, not, not long, long at, all. at all. Just like a little break to the lake, or like a like on a weekend or something. Yeah, so just a weekend yeah, for everybody. Just a else. little yeah. breather. <laughs> yeah. So, um, despite the injury, you were prolific at SMU. Thirty six goals. When did you realize you're that I'm pretty good at this, man? Somebody's going to pay me money to do this. <laughs> um, you know, I thought that. You know, I've never really thought that I was amazing or great at soccer. I think that's one thing that I've struggled with is, um, you know am I good enough or all that stuff? I mean, I, I remember, um, you know, I had a good senior year, good sophomore year, decent freshman year, but, you know, going into the draft, I was like really nervous that I wasn't going to get drafted and I wasn't going to get picked up by a team. So I think that's something that I've always struggled with is um, the confidence in myself to, you know, believe that I am good enough. Um, but I've, I've definitely gotten a little bit better and um, I think it gets the best when I'm most comfortable with you know how my you know footwork is and how fit I am I think that really what it comes down to so in that same Twitter Q&A where you uh, admitted to being a Swans fan you you Mm -hmm. said that you supported OKC Energy and you mentioned them a a minute ago they were close to your house How, how big is your fandom of of the club and were you hoping that you'd sign on with those guys um so my my uh my my parents are actually co-owners of energy fc um and so they use they actually practice um in my like backyard (laughs) 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 yeah so it's literally like i just can wake up and then i just walk down and i just go practice <laughs> so you had the owner's phone number you just need to close the deal yes very very accessible <laughs> very accessible um no but he uh i obviously am a i'm a big energy fan just i mean i've been going to every game since i think it's 2014 uh, when they first started and you know that's just I've always just supported them. And I know a lot of the guys I trained with, with the, uh, with a bunch of them. And, um, I wouldn't say I really wanted to sign with energy yet. Um, that might be a later in my career, hopefully if they, if they have me. Um, but cause that, I mean, that will always be home and be there for me. And I you know I'd love to go explore and, and try to make it, um, in MLS. So I think that's kind of what, I'd go for you you were just saying about like something that you struggle with is you know knowing how good you are and you know that sort of stuff but you went number eight dude overall pick in the mls <laughs> super draft right yeah and, yeah, and right. houston dynamo selected you and were there other teams were, were there other teams that were on you or was it just houston did you even know that you were being selected or how, how did that play out um i think there were a few um, you know, talking to my agent, he, he gave me a list. I can't really, kind of, there was probably about six or seven that he said were, um, you know, very, very interested, um, Houston being one of them. Um, so, but I honestly couldn't tell you when I was going to get drafted, but we had like a little, 
a little draft party, um, you know, and I invited all my, my closest friends and, and family and the coaches from all sports that have helped me kind of grow myself. I wanted them there. Um, I put them all in a group text and we're like, Hey, I'd love to have you. I don't know if I'm getting drafted, but <laughs> if you want to come over at like 11, we'll have brunch and then drafts at 12. Um, so that's just kind of, that's kind of what I've always struggled with. Um, but you know, going number eight, um, I knew like my agent texted me about 30 seconds before um, it actually happened. And he it's like going to to Houston and I was like, wow, it's just, and I just kind of took a moment. I was like, wow, it's kind of all my hard work and, you know, coming back from my injury and, you know, it's well, well worth it. And it's, uh, it was very, very, it was very cool. So the MLS draft was on January 9th and then RGV had a press release on the 27th of February announcing that you'd be playing for them in 2020. Like what happened during that time period from being drafted to Houston Dynamo to being on the RGV team? Yeah. Um, you know, we got drafted. Um, and then I went to Orlando for some conference. Um, and then I think a few days later I went to, to Dynamo and just trained for two, I think it was three weeks a little over three weeks and um, they just called me and they're like, we're going to send uh, you. And then his name's Luca Perfa. He also was drafted with me. I played PDL with him as well. So it's kind of cool to have him there. And then like five other guys um, down to RGV to train. And then that was like on a Thursday. And then on Saturday, the dynamo were coming down and then we were going to play them on like Tuesday or Wednesday or something. Um, and so I trained with RGV. We all, the five of us did. And then we played them on, on Wednesday, Tuesday. I, I don't know. Dates aren't important. Um, and then they just kind of didn't really say much after that. Um, and then I just got a call that they were going to offer me a, a USL deal. So that's kind of how that went. Nice, man. Were you, when you got signed, man, were you sort of like, uh, okay, cool. I'm with the Dynamo. This is awesome. We're going to do this. And then all of a sudden when they said, hey, we're, we're going to go ahead and, um, uh, sign you up with the uh, RGV Toros. Were you a little like, oh wait, what just happened? Or were you like, okay, cool, man, let me let me prove myself in this league, and I'll be back up. See you in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was definitely a mix. Obviously, I I mean, ever, everyone wants an MLS deal that that plays, so that's what I was shooting for. Um, but I figured that I would be playing um, uh, most of my minutes in the USL. Uh, which I was fine with, I was prepared for. Um, so, you know, obviously wanted the MS, MLS deal, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's, I'm totally fine being here and, and having to earn my, my way back um, to, the, to the MLS for sure. You got your professional debut on March 8th in the starting lineup against Los Dos, man. I, I know it wasn't quite the outcome you guys wanted, but dude, you were in the starting line. What was it like being your first professional match? It was uh, it was pretty cool, um, to be honest. Um, you know, I had a bunch of my family there. Um, and it's not easy to get down here from Oklahoma City, um, so that was that was pretty pretty cool of them. Um, but I mean, I also, I felt very very comfortable. Um, you know, I wasn't overly nervous. I just kind of felt like another another college game to me. Um, you know, and I think that was, I was surprised by myself that I wasn't like, 
you know, trembling, like, Oh my gosh, this is my first, first professional game. But uh, I just felt comfortable. Um, you know, I, I did everything I do in the college game in that game, you know, obviously we, we had so many chances. Um, and I don't know how the scoreline was what it was, but, um, it was, it was very, very cool for, you know, to start and, um, to play. I felt like I played well. So, um, all around, it was a great first start, but obviously the score was not what we wanted. <laughs> no, right? No. Yeah. But then you go from you go from this major experience, like you're probably on cloud nine, man, your first professional match, and then all of a sudden, boom, COVID strikes, and now the season's suspended, and there's no more matches. Yeah, dude. How do how do, how is that like transition from going up on that high to the to the lows of? not playing for a while yeah no it's uh it's been crazy <laughs> um i felt like i was really getting in like a, a really good groove um and i had like a great routine and now it's just you know now it's i had to make a new routine because i mean when we train i'd wake up at seven thirty, make breakfast drive to the fields train work out come back eat a good lunch take a nap and then just have my afternoon to, you know, do something productive. <laughs> and now it's, I got a whole day of, I, I can't really leave this little box I'm in. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, my day consists of, you know, I felt like I had to try to learn a new skill or do something that can, you know, challenged me a little bit so i, I bought a ukulele and nice, uh, trying to trying to learn a little bit of uh some songs some chords uh doing all that stuff um but just Are been trying to, to make your, your ukulele debut Ooh, i don't know if i can do it uh on uh <laughs> yeah but I've, I've been working on I've, i know a little bit of riptide and i'm gonna go for a uh shoot what's it called um can't remember the other name of the song I'm I'm working on, but it's it's in the works. It's in the works. So, nice, all right, give us a call back when you're ready to have your uh, yeah, your okay. debut on the internet, and we'll we'll all live right. stream it. Perfect, perfect. Um, so, in doing our research uh, about you, we read a lot about your character, and then we would see you involved with uh, Futures and Fields a bit, which sounds like it was a nonprofit started by your family. If is that right? And if so, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about them and 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 what what you guys do. Yeah, so there, uh, Fields and Futures are a um, nonprofit based out of Oklahoma City, and they are a um, they focus on inner city youth um, school districts, and I mean school district, and they go in um, and really build you know these schools that are less fortunate than others, fields like complexes for you know softball, um, football. I mean, soccer, I mean, and baseball, you, you see the results very fast um, because these kids have to, um, you know, make their grades to play. Um, and you see a little bit more school spirit um, and just overall it gets their, their mission is to get people, kids off the streets and into the classroom and have them graduate. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see. Um, I mean, taking you know seeing a bunch of pictures and seeing it firsthand what it was before i mean some of these fields were overgrown had tires and nails and you know it was it's just disgusting like these kids 
couldn't play. And, and now they have a pristine field that, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and it's, it's so easy to get behind. Um, you know, even obviously I'm biased because, you know, it's my parents <laughs> who do it, but I mean, it's, it really changes these kids lives and it's, it's truly special what goes to futures does. Yeah. I read, uh, one of the mm-hmm. articles and your dad said that they took him to, to see a, a location, a field. And he said, where's the field? And they're like, you're standing on it. And he was unrecognizable. <laughs> yeah. It just sounded yeah. like really amazing work that you're all able to do. Um, with, with your schedule, were you able to help out personally to, to do some volunteer work with them? Um, I would say I would just volunteer at the, um, the field opening. So like, what's, there was Capitol Hill um, is, a, is a school that they did. They did a, um, a turf football field slash soccer and then i think they did a a baseball i think um but i just volunteered there and um for the field openings but i never like did any of the construction or fundraising i didn't do any of that but just kind of um the the field openings no hard hat that's all right (laughs) yeah no hard hat for me no, but it sounds like charitable service is something that's it's important to you and your family. I, have you uh, had the opportunity to get involved with anything down in Harlingen area? Um, so no, I actually I haven't. Um, but I've been I've been really been thinking about it. Um, well, I was before all this happened, and now I can't really really leave. Um, but that's I think true. one thing that I'm yeah I'm super passionate about it, and at some point I'd love to go volunteer at like an animal shelter or do something like that. Cause I mean, I love, I love dogs and you know, my free time at Dallas at SMU, um, I was a wag walker. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Um, no, but it's what, like, what is that, man? so it's like, you have to, it's like, a, you have to apply for it and have like a bunch of just people, you know, vouch for you. Um, but I literally just get notification requests on my phone and I can accept them or decline them. And I just go walk people's dogs. Like I just what? go to their house and walk people's dogs. I've heard that before. Yeah. You gotta look it up. Wag, wag is what it's. Wag. Uh, yeah. Like wag the tail, like a dog's tail. Yeah. Wag. Wagging. Yeah. Wag. Nice man. Yeah. yeah. So probably something like, like that. But as of right now, I'm, I'm probably going to stay, stay at home. We're going to take a quick break to tell you about a great organization that's helping animals in South Texas. If you're looking to adopt, foster, volunteer, or donate to help animals, please consider the Palm Valley Animal Society and Paws Center in Edinburgh. They're a 501c3 that accepts all stray and surrendered companion animals, regardless of age or health. The RGV Toros recommend this organization, and you can find out more about them at pvactx.org. And if you need someone to walk your pup, Check out WAG at wagwalking.com. Who knows? Garrett McLaughlin might just be the one to walk your dog. Now back to the show. Hey, this is Santi Moir, and you are listening to Vision 90. In 2019, I read that you took part in the Energy Assist Soccer Camp as a coach, man. Did it give you a little taste of maybe what lies after the playing <laughs> years are over, man? Like a little managerial spot? Yeah, so I'd say that was more of a mentor relationship rather than than coach um you know obviously i was i had a had a group of kids um that kind of you know aren't sorry aren't as uh, fortunate as you know others maybe and do you guys see this fly <laughs> <laughs> it's like attacking me 
<laughs> okay. <clears throat> but um, everything is bigger in Texas. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, where, where was I? Um, yeah. So these these kids, um, I knew them actually from. It's called the uh, PAL League, Police Athletic League. There was a bunch of middle schools um, in this, and my my brother and my mom were coaches, um, and so I know some of the kids that way that were in this soccer camp. Um, so I had like a group of probably 25, 30 kids. And it was, I think that I did that all summer. It was probably tw- it was 12 to four every day. Well, every five, five, five days a week. And, you know, I think I got more out of it than they actually did. Um, you know, just seeing them grow and, you know, you know, they're not, they're not going to be great soccer players, but, um, you know, it's, it's really cool to see them kind of open up to you with, with some problems they have, or, um, you know, it makes me feel very, very grateful, um, to see kind of where I am. I mean, I don't want to compare myself to them. Um, but just like very, very grateful that I am in the position that I am, that I can give back and, um, allow the, like the time I have to, to help them. Um, you know, like sometimes they'd ask me for like relationship advice or, you know, my, my parents can't get me like, what, what should I do? And I'd, I'd help out and like go pick them up or, you know, it's, it's truly a humbling experience. You're a pretty humble dude though, man. You're pretty, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. So I was gonna, this was going to be a hard hitting question. Actually, we had uh Santi Moir from Phoenix last week. Uh-huh. And uh, during the during the show, his friends in the background they're watching the USL, the Rocket League, and they were all cheering oh, really? for the match. And then I saw that you were in an uh, an Xbox One tournament, right? But you were actually playing, right? And yeah. So on on Twitter, it's you you blamed the bad Wi-Fi, which I was gonna say, come on, man, what was the real story? But your Wi-Fi cut out on us during this, so it's actually so the that's Wi-Fi. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. I played I played two rounds and I, I beat both uh, both of my opponents and then I get to the round of sixteen and my Wi Fi is like it's just not working like I can't connect to the EA servers and I'm just like well I don't even know what to do like they said the Wi Fi will be fixed in a few days and I have to play the game like now so it's just like this is. Uh, <laughs> I am angry. <laughs> so I took my frustrations to Twitter. Yeah. Took my frustrations to Twitter. It's a real thing. The Wi-Fi is an issue, everybody. He was not making yes. it up. We got yes. you We can here. verify it. <laughs> yes. It's getting better, though. So it's getting better. So besides football, man, is there anything like you're passionate about? I mean, I know you're learning the ukulele, but before that, man, were you into like photography, camping, outdoors, you know, like? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to have, you know, outlets just away from soccer. Um, so I would, I'd probably say I'd love to golf. I'm a big golfer. Um, actually, I haven't got the golf down here yet, but I have my clubs um, and I'm waiting for, you know, the country to open back up and I'll, uh, I'll be the first one out on golf course. Um, no, but yeah, love, love to golf, um, love to fish, um, you know, play play my my fair share of video games um mm-hmm. read books so it's just kind of i'd say say those things listen to podcasts yeah nice <laughs> hopefully b90s on the top of your oh list, yeah bro. of course there we go of course 
So uh, I know he kind of mentioned, hinted at coaching, but you're a young guy. So 10 years of your playing career will still be going. Where, where, where do you hope to see yourself in 10 years? That's a good question. Um, you know, I'd love to see myself, you know, playing at the highest level I, I can, um, obviously, um, which that's, that is my, my goal of MLS and, and beyond, um, which I, I believe I can do. Um, uh, but, you know, it's not going to be an easy road. Obviously, I have to work and continue to grow. Um, but, you know, also, I'd, I'd love to develop more relationships with um, and connections with my teammates and coaches um, to better prepare me for, you know, life after soccer, which I think is, is super important because it's not going to last for forever. That's uh, kind of what I'd, I'd love to be set up with a good little network of people to support me for for all that stuff so so quick question for you this is going into like some more fun questions not mm-hmm. not such a mm-hmm. let's get to know but dude so you're walking into the stadium bro game mm-hmm. day you got your airpods in man what's the hype music you, you've selected to get you in the get you in that champion kind of mood bro oh you know i actually don't listen to music before games damn That's- nice dude <laughs> Yeah, that's I don't know. That's one thing I've never I've never done is I do have my AirPods in so people don't talk to me, but I just don't I don't listen to music. So that's that's kind of that's just what I've done. I don't know. <laughs> it helps me focus. It helps me focus more and doesn't get me like all hyped up. Um, so that's just kind of what I do. Do the AirPod trick work, man? Does the does does the AirPod trick work? For sure, for sure, for sure. Just point at your ear. I can't yeah, hear can't. you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> dude, and uh, just one more thing, dude. So in college, you wore some uh, lime green, almost highlighter <laughs> yellow colored boots, bro. Yeah. Uniforms are obviously meant to be uniform, but do you ever have a desire to stand out on the pitch from like a personality standpoint, like just to let your character show a little bit? Uh, I, would, I don't even know how I got those cleats. I think they were <laughs> like a... So my brother is a, uh, a Nike athlete, um, and I think he just gave me those. And I was like, these are, all right, I'll just wear these. And, you know, the more I wear them, the more I got comfortable. And I was like, okay, I'll just make these my, my cleats. And, you know, I, I wore those to the, the last second I could. I had to tape them, um, like, around them, and they were just falling apart. So I ended up getting another pair. But, you know, it just wasn't the same. Um, so I retired all those quickly, but, um, no, I, I, there was no desire to stand out or any of that. It just kind of, it just kind of fell in my lap and I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll rock them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Dude, is your brother still a <laughs> Nike athlete? Mm-hmm. How, yeah. How, he is. How, how, yeah. How'd that come about? How, how'd that come about? The Nike athletic sponsorship? Uh, yeah. So he, his name is Lamar, uh, Lamar Batista. And he played a semester of um, college soccer at Santa Barbara. And then I guess I don't have, I have no idea how like he got set up or anything, but he ended up with uh, Portland Timbers and um, got an agent and the agent got him a Nike deal. Um, so uh, he, he definitely hooked me up with a, my fair share of uh, Nike gear. So very appreciative of that. Um, nice. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but he's still, still Nike athlete. So. It pays to have family in the in the. Yes, in the it nose. does. Yeah. Yes, it does. We all we all benefit. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> we all benefit. Yeah. Dude, that's great, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Lance, Garrett, we appreciate your time. Lance, you got anything else for Garrett? Yeah, I just want to say, Garrett, is there anything you want to say to any of the RGV fans, man? Just, you know, feel free. Yeah, to- no. Um, you know, obviously our first game is, that's not how we wanted it to be. But I think we've, through this time, we've been, you know, we've all been together and gotten grown closer. Um, and we're we're all ready to, to improve. And I feel like we all are working hard and, you know, getting ready for the, Whenever the season starts up, we'll be ready. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Hey, man, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. And uh, you're a totally nice dude, bro. I, I, I dug <laughs> talking to you, man. I dug talking to you, brother. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah, thank, thank, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I really do appreciate you uh, reaching out to me and doing all that stuff. So I appreciate it. Yeah, so thank you to uh, passionate golfer, budding ukulele player, and for, for RGV Toros. <laughs> Jared McLaughlin, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Beyond 90 has been produced by Chingo and Records and In the Sangre Productions. Please leave a review if you liked what you heard. 